0: And I'd like to welcome you to episode 39 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast with Tom Fox and Matt Kelly. Matt's the founder of Radical Compliance. In this podcast, we take a deep dive into a compliance or compliance related topic and really go into the weeds on the subject. Today, we take a look at ransomware, which is particularly important in light of the recent attacks across the globe but we consider it from the angle of whether or not a company has a duty to self-disclose a ransomware attack. We look at it from the legal point of view, the regulatory point of view, the law enforcement point of view, the corporate point of view, the shareholder point of view, and the client-slash-customer point of view. It's a really interesting issue that's come up, and unfortunately, it looks like the compliance professional is going to have to deal with this on an ongoing basis going forward. The episode comes in at around 19 minutes. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds with my good friend and colleague, Matt Kelly. Matt, welcome. Hello, Tom. Matt, we are going to take a deep dive into some ransomware issues today that you have been thinking and writing about uh, specifically around should a corporation disclose or not disclose, is there a duty to disclose, uh, what's the intent versus uh, what's the effect of the law, and uh, see where we might be able to go with that. So uh, with that, why don't you set the stage for us on uh, why we need to talk about this?
1: Sure. Well, I think a lot of people are probably spooked by now when you and I are talking here, the ransomware outbreak WannaCry cry that had happened about 10 days ago. Um, and, you know, it swept through most of the world and most of the developing world, actually. The U.S., thankfully, was spared most of this trouble. But it hit Europe, it hit China, it hit Russia, uh, and it locked companies out of access to their data unless they would pay up to the ransomers in Bitcoin, which seems to be the preferred method of payment for these attacks. Uh, but I have to have been at a earlier previously scheduled cybersecurity conference last week that happened just a day or two after the WannaCry outbreak had struck. So it was a very interesting conversation where at this conference, it was a lot of corporate counsel, corporate internal auditors, and law enforcement from the FBI and the Justice Department who had been talking about how these groups can all work together and cooperate to stamp out cybersecurity threats. And lo and behold, just before we all meet, ransomware and WannaCry burst back onto the news. So there was a lot of talk about that. And it was um, it was really very clear that ransomware is going to be a different type of cybersecurity problem than what we have encountered before. And I personally think, uh, and if there's some listeners out there who could correct me on this, please do, because I'm still struggling on this point. I think that we don't really have a clear regulatory or legal structure to address what ransomware attacks really are. And therefore, we get into some really difficult questions about what companies are supposed to disclose or how you, company A, might need to oversee data service provider, company B, helps you, and they got hit by a ransomware attack with your data. Do they have to report to you? Do you have to report to regulators? This is a big mess. And so that that's what led me to write my column on radical compliance last week. And I, there's more to say, and I'll be having more later on this week, too.
0: So, Matt, um, I read your column. Uh, really interesting. And you really walked through uh, into the weeds, if I could even say, the way you would uh, analyze this, but I guess maybe the first point is, does ransomware actually penetrate uh, a company? And then if there is penetration or not, is data compromised or I suppose is removed from a company? So maybe you could start with that and explain uh, why those questions are even relevant to this issue.
1: Sure. Well, you know, this gets to, I think, a big point compliance and audit people need to keep in mind is that ransomware is a different sort of cybersecurity attack. So how it would typically work is some ransomware thief, um, they email you saying, please click on this link. You know, and usually it might be something spoofed it some letter supposedly from your CEO saying, please go here and look at this. That's not actually true but it's an email that tells one of your employees to go to a website or to download a file. And then once they do that, that is how the ransomware activates. It downloads some sort of encryption key either to lock you out of your computer or to encrypt your data. Um, There are two different types of ransomware attacks here. But think about what all of that means from a strictly legal perspective, the ransom ransomers, they didn't hack into your system. They sent you an email. That's allowed. That's legal. You then downloaded something on your own. That's Again, that's not them hacking. And if they lock you out of your computer, that's not touching customer data. That's locking you out of your system. Well, disclosure rules in many states say if the data has been compromised, Data wasn't compromised. Your system, your access controls, they were compromised, but that's not what the law says. The law says, is the user data compromised? Did it impose any harm on the users? Is there going to be an increased chance of identity theft to the users? It could very well be that the ransomware people, for the answer to all those questions, is no. And in that case, if I'm a very cynical, craven sort of data service provider, and there are at least some of them out there, you might be able to construct a legal argument to say, "I actually don't have to disclose this. I don't have to disclose it at all, and what could I do? You know typically, these ransomware guys they're looking for a couple of hundred bucks or a couple of thousand dollars. You send that money to them, you get your data back, and this is where it gets exceptionally strange. Ransomware is a business; it is a very good business model for the hackers, but it is contingent on them being very ethical and acting with integrity as they fleece you blind. When you give them the money, it is in their best interest to give you a decryption key so you can get back to your data. And then they can do it all over again. But if you give them the money and they don't give you the key, this whole idea of holding things for ransom is going to die. They don't want that. So they're going to keep the gravy train rolling by acting as ethically as an unethical ransom person can do. Uh, But... uh, I could very easily see a scenario where somebody might say, I don't have a duty to disclose this to anyone, which strikes me as bizarre. And law enforcement would say, this is a terrible idea. Do not do this. But here we are. And so I'm still struggling with how do we figure out what we're supposed to do here?
0: I was particularly struck with your use of the gender neutral uh, description ransom person. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. Uh, The... um, Yes, and you really laid this out, of course, in the blog post, but in just walking through it, um, you point out or, or highlight some of the uh, SEC regs around this and how the SEC might ask you to think through it, pointing to Regulation uh, F-P, uh, yeah. requiring firms to ensure the security and confidentiality of customer records and information. That's confidentiality and security Protect against the anticipated threats or hazards to the security or integrity of customer records and information, and then finally, protect against unauthorized access to or use of customer records or information. So, while I agree that some the the majority of that or the greater part seems to emphasize the access and protection of customer records, it seemed to me that at least prongs one and three might be invoked because uh, you have. Uh, uh, um, Uh, put the security of those records uh, at issue. Um, So maybe the answer to this is I had a law professor one time who said that, uh, you know, sometimes the law is just an ass. And this may be a time where following the letter of law really does not move forward the social necessity or the social good of uh, fighting this uh, overall scourge. And so maybe you could pick it up there and explain why, Uh, a company may want to go ahead and um, disclose this at least to law enforcement officials.
1: Well, certainly I I think that you should disclose because this is the right thing to do. Um, But there are some nuances here that first we need to keep in mind there is a difference between reporting a ransomware incident to law enforcement so they can try and track these perpetrators down and disclosing a ransomware incident to regulators or to the public. Um, When you do that, according to Regulation SP, um, you know, a lot of what that is about is about does your company have policies and procedures to prevent these sort of attacks? So if you disclose it under Regulation SP and maybe the SEC comes knocking or FINRA comes knocking or, you know, if you're a financial firm, somebody somewhere is gonna come knocking about this. Um, they're going to be looking more at what was the environment at your business that allowed this ransomware to happen. Uh, That's not the same as looking at a specific attack. They're going to be looking more at your policies and procedures that allowed this attack to take root. And think about it, again, from a very cynical, self-interested perspective. You can pay up the ransomware, get your data back, nobody notices, you don't report it, then you're going to clean up your policies and procedures anyways because you don't want this to happen again. Or you could not pay it, um, take a risk that maybe you will never get your data back. If you do report it, FINRA or the SEC are going to come and have a regulatory exam of your policies and procedures. That's going to cost you time and money. They might give you a fine, and they're going to tell you to do all of this procedure cleanup that you were gonna do anyways. So again, I'm not advocating that people keep their mouth shut and pay the ransomware people off um, and then try and clean up their act later, but if you do a cost benefit analysis from a very cynical standpoint, that could be the the cheaper and wiser route for companies. Um, I don't think that corporations who might have a data service provider who goes through that and reaches that conclusion. I don't think your cor- corporate customers are going to like that at all. And if they found out that their data services providers were ransomware for an hour and nobody knew because it was at 2 in the morning and they paid off the ransomware guys in the Ukraine. You know, but uh, that's really not good customer service. It's not going to do good for your reputation. Um, and so it's it's a very difficult point. that You can argue this a lot of different ways, and that's where I get to wonder – have we really thought through what is our legal and regulatory framework here to handle ransomware? Um, companies in particular, internal auditors or corporate compliance officers who are listening, I would ask to tell you, have you vetted your third parties properly? Have you looked at the SOC 2 audits you might impose on them, which one of the criteria you can include, but you don't have to, Is data accessibility? And if the data is not accessible because it's ransomware, you know, you'd have your third party dead to rights that you guys blew this on your SOC 2 audit and now I'm ransomware pay up. But your service level agreements with these third parties, do they clarify and address all of those points? And, you know, do you want to go back and revisit them? These are the sorts of questions we need to think about with ransomware because it is not like hackers breaking in and stealing your data and selling it on the black market. It is a very different sort of attack with very different risks and implications for your controls and policies to manage those risks.
0: So there's a couple of points that uh, came up for me, one of which you addressed uh, in your article. Uh, I guess you actually addressed both of them. The first one was in terms of a public disclosure. You point out that, you know, if your entire company knows your email systems down and your customers know your email systems down and your uh, counterparties, uh, third parties who are not customers, knows your email systems down and you can't access it. Uh, that's a pretty strong public disclosure right there. So yes. in terms of keeping it secret, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult. And by not disclosing, I would feel you would run the risk of allowing the story to get ahead of you and that uh, if if Someone found out either a customer uh, and would vote an SLA, service level agreement, uh, law enforcement, or the press or <clears throat> the uh, social media world got a hold of it. You know, they could lead that story, which is the absolute last thing you want is someone uh, accusing you of, of having sustained a ransomware attack and not uh, responding to it appropriately, or worse, that uh, you sustained a ransomware attack and you never did. So, yeah. uh, I think uh, I was really persuaded by your point of, you know, somebody's going to know and the word's going to get out. But the other thing that I found uh, really, uh, if not more intriguing, or rather, if not more troubling, was the question of who are you paying? Because what happens if you make a payment to a criminal organization, a terrorist organization, or some other uh, person or entity that's on the SDN, special designated list, or an OFAC list that says you cannot make payments to these people? Uh, what if it's a uh, North Korean entity? What if it's Iranian entity? What if it's you name the country entity? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I doubt you're going to get to do much background due diligence on these payees. So um, I think you're running a, a real risk there if you pay and don't self-disclose that you may have now uh, if not violated the <clears throat> disclosure requirement, you may have violated some sort of Treasury reg or other uh, uh, legal violation.
1: It, it, that's very possible. I am not up on my OFAC or um, other sort of export control law, but I don't know that there would be some sort of a safe harbor there that this would be okay. I'm pretty sure it would not be okay. Um but yeah again you know so the fbi breaks up the terrorist ring 3 years later they go through the finance books and they find out oh yeah 3 years ago this company did pay up the ransomware that's where the bitcoin went and now we know and then they circle back to you and you're caught unawares you know that that's a very real possibility i do think for large companies getting back to your point about other people are going to find out anyways a large company, it is going to be very difficult for you to cover up a ransomware attack. You know, FedEx was shut down in parts of its Eastern, in Europe, its European operations. In the UK, uh, you know, the hospitals had to turn people away from the ER. That, by definition, most large companies, you know, the moment a ransomware attacks, people are going to know and it's going to wind up being public. I do wonder, I don't think you could say the same for a lot of smaller data service providers who are generally not public, um, who might be very small, or who might be very distributed, um, that they work for corporations. Do you know all of them? Do you know exactly what data they have of yours? Um, have you insured all of this? Because they might be able to squeak by under the radar screen. And um, yeah, honestly, I, you and I don't know who all these cloud service providers are. Um so I think uh, Chief Compliance Officers, it really would be incumbent on them to kind of think through what would be our potential exposure here through third parties who get attacked. If they're holding our data and we can't access it, do we have a duty to disclose? Um, you might very well, or is it going to get out anyways? Might some other party find out later on that this happened and you covered it up or you didn't disclose or you didn't even know about it? because you didn't require a duty on your third parties to disclose. Um, There's an awful lot that goes on here that I think would be relatively straightforward to game out if it was a standard sort of break-in, steal-your-data, sell-it sort of operation. Ransomware is very new. This WannaCry attack in particular seems to be very slick on the up front, locking people out, but it was kind of a messy operation on the back end to get the money um, it almost looks like the WannaCry people either were doing this as a test run, see if they could do it, see if they could get glory, or that they didn't think this would actually be as sweeping as it was. But this is not the last time ransomware is going to come about. And the next time, it could be much more slick, and then be, you know really companies would be in a bind. Do they have a plan for how they would handle third parties working with them, handling themselves? What are they going to disclose? What are they going to report to law enforcement? Um, It's well worth taking some time to think about it because you would not want to be in the position of these companies caught unawares 10 days ago when WannaCry hit them.
0: Well, Matt, this has been just a fascinating discussion and I think uh, you're absolutely right. We're going to have to explore this uh, more more often and more in depth, but we focused today on Matt Kelly's blog post, ransomware, to disclose or not, and we will continue the discussion.
1: All right. Thank you, Tom.
0: This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you very much for listening to this episode of Compliance into the Weeds, and I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. I have two requests for you. The first is, if you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would appreciate it if you would rate us, as it would help in our rankings and help get the word out about the only podcast which really takes a deep dive into the weeds on a compliance or compliance related issue. The second is, if you have any questions, you can feel free to email us. I'm Tom Fox, and my email is tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Matt is, of course, Matt Kelly, and he can be reached at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you will join us again for another episode of Compliance into the Weeds.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.